Jonathan Hardesty. What, what? We couldn't think of a way to introduce Eve Stewart, so I went back to SNL. <laughs> My worst impression ever. <laughs> and yet it's becoming even more endearing every time you do it. Yeah, it was, uh, it started out horrible, and it's only gotten worse from there. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so week three of Eve Stewart month, I, uh, man... We are we are watching the best movies for Eve Stewart. I gotta say, uh, none of them have been bad so far. I, I just, I, I think next week when we do our wrap up on Eve Stewart, there's gonna be a lot to say about her uh, her choices for movies that she works on because each one of them have been incredibly interesting. So like, I can see where she's coming from, but we got one more week to go through before we can finally say on that. But this week's another. Uh, I think Eve just. I think she just. Said- you know, love her job. Yeah, I think she just likes to have fun. Um, but well, like I said, we'll get to that at the end of next week after we talk about Cats. But this week we have to do De Lovely first. Uh, De Lovely is a movie came out, uh, what, early 2000s-ish, right? Yeah? Yeah, 2004. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it came out 2004, uh, directed by Irvin Winkler, writer Jay Cox, who's a big uh, Martin Scorsese writer, so we got a really good writer attached. Uh, nominated for 11 awards. It won two <laughs> Both of them went to Eve Stewart, uh, <laughs> which I think is pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, kind of a kind of an interesting little film. I'm I'm definitely glad I watched it, even if I didn't love it. I'm happy to have finally seen it after so many years of going. I liked that soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think either one of us have a where them in doing. So we can just dive headfirst into the lovely. Is that cool with everyone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, totally fine with me. Uh, so let's do it. Uh, we'll just do a quick round the table because I, I think it's kind of interesting given the last two movies we've watched with uh, Nicholas Nickleby and holy shit, what did we review last week? Cure for Wellness. Thank you. Cure for Wellness and now to Lovely. Like we have all of these like, oh, that would have been great if like we've, we're so close. I think three for three so far. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> none of them have been bad watches. I, I don't really plan on returning to any of them either though. Uh, I'd watch to Lovely again. I wouldn't turn off to Lovely. Like if I came home from work and you were watching it, I'd be like, "Oh, cool, she's watching to Lovely," yeah. and I'd sit down and I'd finish it. I would never choose to turn on though. I don't like think. I think this movie would be one of those. I I genuinely enjoy it. It doesn't like blow me out of the water, so I could definitely rewatch it multiple times. So it'd be like a good like I'm gonna clean movie. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Uh, but before we get too far into it, Chewie, do you want to do a quick breakdown of what happens <clears throat> in the lovely? In the lovely, <laughs> it lovely. is. Is a, it lovely? It, it is. It actually is it's very quite lovely. lovely. <laughs> Stuart did filled with lovely people job. doing kind of lovely things, at, depending on the moment. I would say mostly shitty things, but that's yeah, me. no, there's a lot of good. Just a, yeah, if as long as your name isn't Cole Porter, there's a lot of good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Cole Porter didn't really hurt anyone. I would say he he broke a heart a few times. Well, the same heart over and over. It's hard. Yeah, that wasn't the lovely. Let's do that. that We'll we'll get get to it. This is a matter of interpretation. (laughs) So the movie starts, and Cole Porter, played by Kevin Klein, is quite old. I enjoy how the movie starts because it starts like a play. 
where it's darkness. You just kind of see a soft light on the man at the piano, and then slowly all these other uh, practical lights start turning on, and you're pulled into the scene. Uh, and then you're pulled into a theater, where it turns out that there are Archangel Gabriel, played by... Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price, uh, is going to flash, in a way, Cole Porter's life before his eyes. And he decides to flash him before his eyes as a play. Uh, Which would make sense if you're Cole Porter. Yeah. I mean, it would. Yeah. So you are introduced to all the characters in his life in a tizzy. And then after all that happens, you go to a wedding where Ashley Judd struts in like a main character. <laughs> uh, and she yeah. sees Cole Porter and she's all like, who is that? And then he looks at her and goes, oh, lovely. She's beautiful. And then, you know, they kick off a romance. There's some musicals. They get married. There's some more musicals. He goes, you know I'm gay. And she's like, yeah, I know you're gay. We can work with that. Uh, they... Is he gay or bisexual? I actually never even thought to look into it. It seemed like he was rather gay. Yeah, okay. Uh, Based on the interpretation in words, though, I thought the he said something like... The interpretation like, um, of the movie and the way yeah. I, wrote about, I read about it, where people are like, she was aware of his homosexual exploits. Okay, homosexual yeah. exploits. Yeah. Right, I'll take it. <laughs> uh... So then she loves his music and encourages him to write his music all the time. And they live in Venice, and he gets a little too flamboyant. So she goes, maybe we should move to New York? They go to New York first. Yeah, I think it's New York first. Uh, and they have a great time in New York. And then she's like, all right, maybe you're getting a little too much again. So let's go to Hollywood. I mean, success follows them everywhere they go, because Cole Porter is just a freaking powerhouse of a music man. Uh, and... She gets a little unhappy, so she goes to Arizona, and then she goes to Paris, and then he falls off his horse, breaks his legs, shatters his legs. Uh, she comes back, and she goes, you cannot amputate his legs. And so then he's in pain for pretty much the rest of his life, yep. but is still able to write a few more plays uh, and does one of the, what considers one of his best works. Hello, Kate. I, or dang it, I forgot. Uh, Kiss Me, Kate? Kiss, Kiss Me, Kate. Kate. Yep. Uh, Kiss Me, Kate, considered one of his best works uh, near the end of his life. And uh, then eventually, Ashley Judd slash her name was Linda, dies of emphysema. And it's very sad. And he doesn't handle it very well. He doesn't really write anything else. And then he pushes away all of his friends. And he dies alone. Jazz hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, the the big contention with this film is how in league were they with his love life, essentially? Like, the movie makes it seem like she really wants him to stop. But when I read about it online, it seems like she was pretty knowledgeable of what he was doing. And, I mean, cared a little, but... I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, they, hopefully they did a lot of research. And maybe she cared more than what I read. It's it's so tough to say, in my opinion, that all we can really, I think we as reviewers at this point, is go off of what the movie tells us and critique 
if we enjoyed it as far as a story goes. Since, because neither one of, neither one of us, all three of us are not Cole Porter experts. Neither one, yeah. none of us have done like research into his life. So I think at this juncture, it's going to be best just like, all right, well, let's just look at the movie. Like, let's see how the movie dealt with the relationship. Because yeah. if we try to dive too much into like his personal life, I, I mean, we're not historians on him. I think it's just going to no. fall apart real fast. The feeling I got was particularly when Gabriel's asking him about their relationship. He says at the beginning, the physical was fine, but the intimacy was out of the park. And I feel like Linda, every time they got to a new place, the intimacy was great at the beginning between them, and then it would start to waver well, as he became more in-depth <coughs> with uh, local men. Yeah, yeah. So that's when she would get upset. That's how I felt it was. Yeah, I, I think the movie kind of portrays that. Because whenever they land somewhere new and he doesn't really know anyone, I mean, it's Cole Porter, and they the movie picks up when he's fairly established. Like, he shows up at a party and be like, oh, Cole Porter's People here. like his songs, but he hasn't, yeah. like, had a big hit. Exactly, yet. yeah. So, at that point, it's like, he shows up someplace new, well, he's got Linda. And then as he starts getting into the community, he's like, well, I don't really need her anymore. See you later. And it's like, Ugh. But he always needs her. It's just whether or not how much attention and intimacy he's giving her yeah which is the more time he's in any one spot is diminishing by the day diminishing diminishing yeah. yeah um now that all of that said i think both kevin klein and ashley judd like nail their parts in this yeah like i i think ashley judd nails the uh i know what he's doing i'm okay with it to a point mm-hmm. and i think kevin klein nails that i'm getting away with shit like <laughs> right. anything goes yeah anything yeah. goes like <laughs> yeah extra credit to ashley judd because i saw that in her face immediately when she was like i'm okay i'm open-minded i'm good for everything like i'm good for what you got and i'm like your eyes are telling me something different so like it was like she did a really good job i really yeah. liked her performance Apparently, in this she pursued this role she w- She's like 20 years younger than kevin klein while in real life linda was eight years his senior and, I mean, and it, it's Ashley one of those like just wanted this role. I mean, good for her. She fucking knew she could do it, and she crushed it. I mean, like, yeah. I, I'm not the the biggest Ashley Judd fan. I don't think there's anything wrong with her. I think she does a good job. She's just not like somebody that I seek out as far as like actors go. But like when she shows up, like it's almost a guaranteed good performance every time. And then every yeah. now and then you get one like this where it's like, holy fuck, she's good. It's like exactly what John was just saying. So much of her uncomfortableness with her husband having these extramarital affairs. Like, it's never, not never, very rarely spoken. It's almost entirely in Ashley Judd's face and her, like, body language. Mm-hmm. And that alone, I think, is incredibly impressive. Um, and it's the same with Kevin Klein. Like, I joked a little bit, like, oh, I'm getting away with shit. But it's also kind of true. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, you get that whole, like, whenever she pushes back, he has this, like, almost offended, like, no, no. We're in agreement here. Like, we know what's going on. You're fine with this. You mm-hmm. said you were. And she's like, no, I said it was a fine with this amount. You're asking for more. Yeah. And, like, they're having these, like, unspoken conversations with just body language and facial expressions. And the two of them are just so top of their game that it feels like they're talking. And it's things like this and it's moments and conversations in the movie that made me go, yeah, it's not bad. But at the same time, like, the movie, we haven't really talked about the structure really much at all. Um, beyond just, like, kind of, like, the general description of it. But, like, that movie the way it's like a play inside of a movie inside of just kind of the afterlife, it, it it tries to juggle so many things that 
they just kind of start dropping balls left and right. So no matter how good the performances are or how good the story is or isn't, there's always kind of something there to accidentally just kind of knock you off. Like yeah. it's going to bump you off the ride a few times. And it's, right. it's really unfortunate because I think otherwise it's a great movie. Yeah, no, I found a lot of the structure and the, the, the pacing and the way they handled all those, all the juggling really distracted me. Like, as, just as, as I was getting into the interplay between Kevin Klein and Ashley Judd and the thing that they were doing, which was at times enough to pull me into the movie, then the format, for lack of a better word, just started pulling me out. And I'm like, okay, are we at a break? Is this, is this break time from the movie? <laughs> like, like it, those are like the look at my phone time moments like mm. anytime that they started shifting things around and playing with the pacing and trying to like as the ball started falling yeah used to continue the juggling thing it was like oh i'm starting to see the artifice and that oh, maybe this wasn't thought all the way through or maybe yeah. maybe this could have been taken further or I something guess i'm just more forgiving for this sort of st- non-traditional structure i i find this sort of movie to be refreshing well and i do to a I, point I would, too because I would, like i I've said many times, and it's going to come really into play next week, but I'll take a movie that will try everything and fail over something that's going to reiterate a thousand things we've seen before. And music biopics come out every year. We ignore them every year, except for maybe one or two. Uh, And even those we'll have forgotten about by the year after. Like, they're just not that big of a deal. That's the wrong way to phrase it. Like, they're just not that original of a thing. So, like, one like this that legitimately tries new things, I think is great and I can appreciate it. I just, it was swinging for the fences, but every time you swing for the fence, you're not always going to hit the ball. Yeah. And I think that for me, because this isn't my genre, like, by far, by like a huge margin, this isn't a movie I'll ever go see, like these types of movies. Uh, the fact like that it doesn't. Jan- I thought this would be up your thing. Was that more like Jandy's cup of tea? Would she have liked this more? Uh, uh, maybe uh, uh, she was fi- fine with it. I think, if, if I remember right, I think the the thought was after this movie, it's like, well, why don't we? Why why wouldn't we have just watched Kiss Me Kate, or uh. watch any of the movies that, or watch any of the other things that he did, Cole Porter, um, and I think because this the biopic musical biopic is not really my jam, mm. that I'm I'm coming at it a little bit more harsh than maybe I would because I like things that don't follow complete linear narrative i like playing around with that but here like it just doesn't work it's like oh you're trying that thing okay cool you have to because these these movies come out so often i don't know like i'm being harsh i i get it i'm a a little unfair to that but no and like that's the thing is if i had to choose something that pulled me out of the movie more or whatnot if you guys are talking about that yeah the maybe the the pop star cameos I think every one of the pop Ooh. stars that they had in this movie did a good job, especially Alanis Morissette. I thought oh, she killed she did her great. song. <laughs> oh, her her bit was great. Yeah, yeah no, uh, but I was like, okay, Elvis Costello Morissette. was oh, so good. <laughs> he loved doing misbehave. Uh, yeah, but no, I saw that, those. If that was anything that was going to pull me out, it'd be like, oh, that's kind of cool that they're in this movie. I mean, that would pull that pulls me out, even though I appreciate it at the same time. Well, I I think this just kind of brings it back to that whole, like, juggling act I was talking about. Like, is this movie, like, a great love story? Is it a a fun interpretation of a musical biopic? Or uh, is it just a celebration of Cole Porter's music? And it just kind of wants to be all of them. But because it's trying so hard to be all of them, it can't do any of them, like, proper justice. Uh, Oh, and I also... The other drop-the-ball thing is... uh... 
at the beginning when Gabriel is talking to Linda before they actually start going through their life, he's like, don't you worry, this is also your story. We never get anything from her perspective, really. No, right. Yeah, I saw. It's mostly I, I, all from Cole's, so it's like it's not. It's kind of a that felt like a studio away. note, yeah. sort of like yeah. Uh, I highlighted that in my mind. That that one line in my mind. I was like, I was disappointed. You're lying. <laughs> this is Cole's story. Yeah, and no offense to Linda Porter, of course, but we're watching a movie about Cole Porter. It should be Cole Porter's story. Yeah. Well. There might have been more stuff with her that they yeah. just didn't want to explore. Apparently, Cole Porter had a very close relationship with his mother, and they never addressed that. Hmm. They never mentioned his family once. And he was the only surviving child of his, like, five siblings. Yeah, they skipped huh. past right all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I can really blame them. And he was from Indiana. Somebody spent time looking up Cole Porter. I was intrigued. I spent five minutes in the beginning of this episode <laughs> saying how we don't know shit about Cole Porter, and you're just dropping all the Cole Porter facts. Mm. What a waste of time I had in the beginning. Better to set expectations, <laughs> right, and then blast past them. Uh. Uh, but let's yeah. let's talk a little bit some of the other actors here, and then we'll we'll get on to who clearly the only award winner of the whole movie, star of the show, is Eve Stewart. Um, but I do kind of want to talk about some of the rest of this cast because it is just. I think everyone did such a good job. I think it's just kind of unfortunate it didn't congeal. Like, Jonathan Price is an actor that uh, I've always been aware of. And whenever he pops up, I'm like, oh, it's Jonathan Price. I like Jonathan Price. And then slowly but surely, I'm like, no, no, I love Jonathan Price. Oh, Jonathan <laughs> Price is in this? I'll watch it. Fuck, sign me up. I didn't know he could sing. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anything with him singing. Yeah, no, he's just kind of an insanely talented man. yeah. Like, even on my rewatch of Game of Thrones a couple years ago, I'm like, he's the best actor in this show. <laughs> like, holy crap. Like, he's crushing every scene he's in. Like, yeah, Tyrion's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But fuck, man. Jonathan Price. Have you watched his scenes again? Like, fuck. <laughs> Stop looking That's... like such a nice old man. You're terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's funny watching anything with him in it. Because, yeah, that journey, like you said, it's like, oh, uh, him, right? And then by the end, you're like... I wouldn't have it any other way. He was perfectly cast. This is wonderful. He's in. Like, For me, he'll it's wonderful that he's in this. Be Miss Swan's father. Oh right, oh, yeah. Shit, he is in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, that's I the thing. It's like father, at the end of that, Miss you're like. Swan. <laughs> He has such a good moment in that. Like, that movie, like, at the end of it, when he's, like, he's beating all the, like, the zombie things, and yeah. he like, comes out to the one guy, he's like, aha! It's like, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you were real tough. You were hiding in the closet the whole time. <laughs> I love Jonathan Price. He's great. <laughs> and Kevin McNally, who played Gerald Murphy, was also in Pirates of the Caribbean. Two pirates in this. <laughs> yeah. And while we're watching the movie, I'm like... No, it's that that pirate guy in the pirate movies. <laughs> the whole time, like, I don't know who the fuck she's talking about. That eventually she had to show me a photo of him in... He's the uh, one with the sideburns and the bird. Oh, that is him. He cleans up nice. <laughs> he does. <laughs> but that's what I'm talking about. Like, the cast is exciting. Like, you go through... Like, you just look at IMDb and it's just like... Like, we mentioned earlier, we have Alanis uh, Morissette. We have Elvis Costello. Like... And John Barrowman, we, we have were, fucking Captain yeah. Jack shows Neither up. Neither of us knew he was in this, but it makes sense for him to be in it. Of course, I was. I my jaw dropped. I was surprised that he was in this because it's like so and so. Like in the very beginning, I was like, so that kind of looks like Captain Jack Harkness. No, that can't be. No, he's not in this. Oh, it is and Captain the, Jack Harkness. No, and, and it's not just 
Oh, it's John Barman. No, it is Captain Jack Harkness. The character's name is yeah. Jack, I mean, and he uh, and he bangs Kevin Klein like that. He does his normal. That is Jack Harkness. He smiles at yeah. you, and you're like, "All right, I guess we're sleeping together." Oh, should I take my pants off here, or are we gonna go behind closed doors? Like, right. Either way, this is happening. John, get those teeth back behind those lips. Stop smiling. Stop smiling at me. I'm married, and my wife isn't okay with it. Oh. Yeah, and and I, I think his moment, his scene, trying to work, get the song figured out with Kevin Klein. So probably good. is the highlight like that that's where i was fully forward my seat watching the movie like interested was there that was that moment where i'm sitting there watching it i'm just like i mean if you, if you don't know who we're talking about jack harkness um john barrowman he was a he was a big character in doctor who for a number of years he was a huge character in arrowverse for a long time like he's just kind of like a, a big nerddom actor who also happens to be an insanely talented singer and just all-around talented guy. So he does do these other things every now and then. It's like, oh, fuck, there he goes. Like, he was in, um, wasn't he in the producers? Yeah, he's the one that starts out the play. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, fuck, there's, yeah, there's John Barrowman again. Um, but it is just kind of like this, like, wonderful thing that whenever he pops up, it's just like, oh, fuck, John Barrowman's here. Isn't this fun? He's so good. He is? There's no no one can argue with that. No, I mean they shouldn't. I mean no. I guess they could. And we just tell them to be quiet. Yeah, shush. <laughs> Shut your mouth about Jack Harkness. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else like really big in this thing that I wanted to bring up, but I don't think so. Is there anybody else that we wanted to mention? No, I think that was those are like the big standouts. Yeah. I did. I'll just go say that I think Jonathan Price captured the joy that Gabriel probably would have, being like, "Someone wrote a song about me. I get to sing it to them as they're dying. <laughs> this is great." <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, all right, then I think we should probably. I mean, this is going to be Chewie's job again because mm. that's what you get for being in production design. Mm. Uh, I haven't actually done any production design in many uh, years. You're still in the right department. Yeah. <laughs> and now uh, we come to th- my favorite part of this movie. <laughs> Holy uh, fuck was this movie pretty. Uh, she used drapes so well. <laughs> That's one of the things with period films that you don't appreciate because you don't even think about it, how drapeless our lives are now. You go into restaurants or banquet halls or whatnot, they just don't have all the draping anymore. Uh, which is, I've read, one of the reasons why restaurants are so ungodly loud. Now, that actually makes a lot of sense. Is that there isn't drapes anymore. <laughs> so it's just like, especially like looking at their bed in Venice, just the giant drape going across it and then falling on the sides and all the lush wallpaper. I just adore it. And it's fun watching this movie to go through the pier- the the sceneries of Europe to America and then the difference in time and just to see the development of styles, essentially. Everything's super, like, Baroque or Rococo in Europe. And then you get to New York and then it's really, like, rich and Art Deco, very 40s. And then you move to Hollywood and then, you know, it's more black and white and... Uh, less it's still art deco but not quite as rich i would say still beautiful my favorite of course was new york because i love new york and style in that time period 
And then even just like her little cottage when she goes to Arizona, it looks like just this little like, why is she living in this little shack? But it's also quite quaint. And you'd be like, she's just alone. She doesn't need anything too massive. Maybe she's more simple when she's on her own and they just have the giant lush stuff for For Porter. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, given what he he does with his musicals and like how big and lavish he likes the stuff, it wouldn't surprise me if that was all for him. Yeah. Um, and even when she's just with her friend back in Paris when they're on their little walk, it's not very... I mean, again, she's dying, so it's kind of weird to have her own lush stuff at that time. But- There's something that I, I, I would just love to say about Eve Stewart's production design, particularly in this film versus the last two that we watched. Um, uh, it, close with Nicholas Nickleby, but I, I think it's better in the, or better showcased in this one, is Eve Stewart has done an amazing job of making these sets look like sets like throughout this movie they kind of but look... not annoying no, no but here let me get through because i think we'll be on the same page because they they look like they look like play sets or they look like movie sets if they're in hollywood every place they look at it almost looks hair too staged but not quite like she always gets right up to the line of non-believable believable and just throws in enough to make it look lived in and real and like uh, more down to earth, but you can still get that slight hint of this is fake. And she does it so well throughout this movie after they set the tone just like perfectly in the beginning by like, hey, look, it's a play. Like you have the actor walk out and take his uh, take his scene or take his um, mark uh, and then you bring up the house lights and it's like, oh, we're sitting on a play set. And then as the movie goes on, it's like, oh, all these sets are kind of in that same vein, but also not. Yeah. So it's like they are living their best lives. Like he want like Cole Porter wanted his life to be like a play and he kind of had it even yeah. if he wasn't paying attention to it. And you can just see that attention to detail that Eve Stewart had throughout everything. It's like fuck, she's good at this job. Like in one particular detail I liked was at the end when it's like I don't remember what year Linda died. Let me look that up really fast. 1954. 1954, Linda died of emphysema. And when you're looking at their uh, house in the Berkshires, I think they said of Massachusetts. Sounds right. Uh, on Wikipedia, I read that she took all of her their furniture from their Paris apartment and put it in that one in huh. that house. But I it did oh. that did not translate in the movie. It did not feel as lush. Like none of that felt like furniture that they had in Paris. So I feel like she kind of maybe. I can be wrong. Ignored that and yeah. just went for very more of the muted, tame decor of the fifties because fifties had its own specific look, but it wasn't super lush. It wasn't overly texturized or whatnot. It was, I would say, it's more minimalistic almost. Okay. And even like in her deathbed, like she didn't have much decor around. The bed was just like a brass iron, not iron, brass rod metal bed sure, yeah. frame and just you had that opening shot of him going to her you have a iron lung in her room no one looks at it no one touches it you don't see her in it and it's just kind of a set piece but it has such a implication in the one moment they show it of the agony she's probably been going through and how long she's been going through that I thought like just with that one piece of set design right there, like it had an intense amount of things to say in that scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she also had to have worked really well with the 
props department because they always made sure he had very specific bottle of alcohol on his pianos and he always had a drink with him and such. Yeah, I mean, brief side note, they really hammer how much he liked to drink, yet you don't really ever see him drunk in the movie. Maybe he's just one of those guys that likes to drink but also knows how to handle it. Yeah, no, weirdly, I kind of like that. With all the drinking I saw, I was like, I would would hate for this to delve into, like, the problem was the drinking, as, like, things tend to go. They featured Linda smoking, and she's the one that dies of emphysema. Yeah. Oh, man, can we just take a brief pause again to say, thank God we're done with the early 2000s death scenes? Like, holy crap, can they never bring those (laughs) back? Like, we get Uh, it. You want your audience to cry. I understand. Sometimes it even works on me. This time I'm just like, is she dead yet? Is she dead yet? Yeah. No, nope, she's yeah. still hanging on. Nope. Oh, she's going to go out on a real cool line. Kudos for that. Is the scene over yet? Holy Whatever, crap. Whatever, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually right there with you. I love my melodrama. But it was a good death. It was a great... She went out on a killer line. I like, forgot what her line was. It was an honorable death. Uh, it was like the... Uh, <laughs> do you mind if I head out a few minutes early? Something oh, like that. Yeah. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> I even said it that... I love that line. It's a great line. That is a, that is a really good line. A little early. Uh, I think we've kind of said everything we can about this movie. Was there any other major points that we wanted to hit before we uh, we start wrapping up with quotes and whatnot? Uh, maybe just as a, a nice little tag onto the production design. I think out of the three so far we've watched, this was my favorite movie to look at. I, I mean, I would love to be able to say that about this movie, but not just because we're focusing on her. I can honestly say so far, three for three movies, the production design's been in, like immaculate. Like, they yeah. might not be my favorite movies ever, but holy fuck, does she, she is good at her job. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm absorbing a lot of very interesting things that I never paid attention to before that have just suddenly stood out and become a lot more interesting to me because of everything Eve Stewart has done. I know we're jumping the gun a little bit from next week's wrap-up, but man, this movie really brought that out for me. Just gasping at scenes as they're introduced. Oh, yeah. And just kind of having my jaw drop, not for plot reasons, but for... This scene just looks gorgeous. She knows how to direct a scene, essentially. Like, yeah. I know that the you could say that the uh, Iron Lung is kind of an obvious example, but it to me, I think it within that being obvious, it lets you know that in like you said, in every scene there is something that's pulling you in. Yeah. Whether or not you're aware of it. And that's where, like, I might not have anything else to really add about the movie, but I'll just reiterate one more time. Like, I don't think this is a bad movie. I, I, I think it does a lot of things great. I just, I wish it did everything great. If this movie did everything as well as it did its good things, it'd be, like, my favorite musical biopic ever. Mm-hmm. It's just that those, it just has those other problems. Biopics are hard. They really are. And the good ones are few and far between, and I would count this amongst the good ones, just yeah. not my favorite of them. Um. I think it's time for quotes. Then we do some quotes. I think I know Chewie's. Um, I don't remember exactly how it went, but yes, the when she's dying and she's like, "Do you mind if I leave a little er- the party a little early?" I mean, that's classy. That's a classy way to die. I mean, it really is. <laughs> and Linda was freaking classy. Yeah, I, I was trying to see if I could find the actual line for her, but uh, but it, it's a uh, no. Um, my quote was a little bit different, but. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to change mine. No, I, I'm going to go for it. So mine, 
Mine says a lot about the relationship from Cole Porter's point of view. Uh, and I, it, it's kind of a, a sad line if you think about it too much, which I, I have been, which is why I keep going back and forth on whether or not I want it to be my line. But uh, yeah, I would say it's probably the best quote because it has so much weight to it because it's coming from Cole Porter's point of view. And that's when he's talking to Gabriel at one point and he's remarking on his relationship with Linda and he says, uh, we were two people who wanted too much from each other. And I just think that speaks yeah. volumes to how he interpreted his relationship with Linda. And I'm not saying negative or positively. It just says so much about how he saw what they were together. And I think it, it reflects that he has a lot of regret. Yeah. But it, it, it's a lot of like, she wanted me to be perfect and I wanted her to be fine with everything about me. Yeah. And it's like, ugh, that's so uncomfortable. I mean that, but it's also a sign of the times. The yeah. self-sacrificing wife. What a trope. Oh yeah. Uh, John, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go with the, I think it was when they were thinking about having children uh, or they were kind of leading up to it and they were in bed kind of, he was awkwardly dancing around it. And he goes, uh, champagne, or how do you want to play this? Comedy, tragedy, musical comedy, farce? And Linda goes, well, why don't we just play? And his line, particularly, just kind of getting into that mode of what makes Cole Porter Cole Porter, and like not being able to kind of click out of it to just live, I thought was a very interesting uh, character thing. That, you know, something like a lot of their interactions that were really interesting were the stuff they never said and their posture around each other. But this line, I think, for me, really helped cement some of their like it, it was good for me it was really good and really catching it was a sweet scene it, really it was. is and ashley judd sells that line because she's not saying let's just play a game she's not saying let's play yahtzee what she's saying is can you drop the act for a minute yeah like i get it you're cole porter but you're also a human and i'm a human and there's nobody else around to see this show so why don't we just hang out? Are we gonna make a barbie? Yeah, uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's do this thing. Uh, <laughs> and regretfully, it doesn't work out. Yeah, I wasn't gonna bring that part up. That was a bummer. Um, double features this week. I'm gonna try to avoid the obvious of just two musical biopics because I think that would be a weird way to go. Uh, so I'm gonna go with another unconventionally told love story. I, uh, these are both movies where at the end of it, I'm like, I'm not sure if they should have been together, but maybe they should. Uh, but I still like the way the story was told. I'm going with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Hmm. I think okay. they'd be, I think they'd pair together really well. I uh, I think Sunshine or Spotless Mind might be a little bit better, but that's okay. Um, but I still think like the way they they communicate and they talk through just expressions and body language. And so much of it's about feelings and not about what's said, but about how you feel about what was said. I think these two movies would complement each other really well. I'm going to go with the shape of water. Okay. As an interesting turn on this. Um, and the shape of water would be after. Uh, so you're watching this and you're kind of in a mode with the uh, lovely and all right. They love each other. It's an interesting romance told through like stage and interesting uh, set design. And then like, let's change gears, but keep all like visual, interesting things going on and kind of an unconventional aspect. Yeah. When we were first starting this before I came up with Eternal Sunshine, I was originally going to go with uh, Nicholas Nickleby because I'm like, they actually would go together <laughs> rather well. 
Yeah. I don't think I really want to watch Nicholas Nickleby again, but watching these two back to back wouldn't be the end of the world. I, I guess. <sighs> I'm looking at her phone. I see four movies. I was looking at the ideas and the freaking movie came up that I don't particularly love, but has similar themes. And a musical sequence. Okay. So I'll go with 500 Days of Summer. <laughs> okay. Where a guy has a certain expectation of a woman, and she's like, no, no, no. And then he sings And we never it. get her point of view. We never really get her point of view, no. But it's very much about her. Man, I want to go back to that movie. I don't think I've watched it in like 10 years. It came out in 2009. I would love to go back and watch that movie from 2020. Yeah. Like, just look at it from this point of view. Like, is it... Is it a bad movie now? Is it just a different movie now? I, I bet, uh, what's his name, in 500 Days of Summer would probably love to lovely. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. I get this. <laughs> I'm not Gary, but I get this. <laughs> yeah, no, you're it speaks to me. Right. Yeah, oh yeah. It would be like his favorite movie. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, I think we've de-lovelyed. I love trying to like turn each one of these movies into like a verb. It's getting increasingly difficult as we do movies like this, especially next week. Cats, duh. that'll be a tough one. Cats. We should just record corn yelling cats, cats, cats. That might be better than watching the movie. Just kidding. We watched it today. Corn uh, <laughs> <laughs> loves it. Corn does like it, and I do too. Uh, it, it will definitely be my favorite out of the four. I guarantee it. So plugs for next week. We're gonna watch cats. Uh, if you couldn't tell by cats. Uh, <laughs> yeah we will have cats um cats the wonderful tom hooper movie from late last year i had promised earlier in this month that we're going to try to get a special guest and i am not one to break my promises but i'm going to this time uh we are not going to have a special guest i didn't <laughs> the uh schedule got a little messed up when our state caught on fire and mm. we had to push this one a week and the next one a week and yeah. i just kind of got tired of trying to uh find other people to be on episodes and uh it's gonna be three of us again but that's fine because we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about cats Cats, yes we will we'll have a very interesting time yeah oh shit i didn't it's the penultimate episode i got to announce october how do i not announce october the person we're focusing on throughout the entire month of october what happens in october there's a a holiday right it's halloween jamie lee curtis yeah, I am so excited to talk about. She's Jamie the reason Lee. for the season. <laughs> so excited to talk about Jamie Lee Curtis throughout the entire month of October. Uh, might be off by a week now because of the whole fire shift, but you know it'll be our month of October. And uh, gonna get into some of her old school horror movies, maybe some of her non horror movies. Who knows? So excited for October. Freaky Friday. Sure, we can do Freaky Friday. Why not? <laughs> I've never seen it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> We will have, you have so many choices with somebody like Jamie Lee Curtis, and that is just so exciting for a show like ours. Hooray! Hooray! All right, now I'll say bye. Bye? Bye. Bye? 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 Bye. Bye. Gabriel! <laughs>